Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast, hosted by longtime Northwest sports journalist Dan Viennes. News, reaction, and opinion. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. I am your host, Dan Viennes, and today we're going to talk dollars and cents. We have broken down the draft in just about every possible way. We are fully into the post-draft, kind of the thick of the offseason, but still lots of questions about what may still need to be done to the Seahawks roster before training camp opens and possibly how they can make that happen. And uh, to talk about that, break that down and dissect it, uh, I can think of no one that I would rather chat with than John Gilbert from the Field Goals website. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Glad to you know come on and talk about uh, one of my favorite subjects. So happy to you know try and adv- answer some questions ahead of the you know the, the doldrums of the summer off season. So indeed, it you know it's funny. I think uh, you know this is we're definitely in that kind of ninety day dead period after the draft. There's mini camps and things like that where you get stories about how guys look in, in person and up close. But uh, for most people, this is the dead period. But I sense there is there is more excitement than ever among the fan base for the offseason stuff this year, I think, because so many draft picks, so much youth and there's excitement in that. And uh, I don't know, uh, my episode uh, Friday did a record number of views because people are interested in this kind of stuff. So perfect time to have you on. Oh, like I said, great to be here and let's let's get to it. So. Well, let me start with this um, it, kind of a technical question. So John Schneider. I think across the board has been more open and transparent this this year about the process than he ever has been. And part of that is he's made himself more available up at, up until the draft. And then the one week after he did a weekly radio show here locally. And he and he as much as he's able to or willing to, he was pretty open about a lot of in-depth things. And one thing he's using terminology this offseason that we haven't heard from him. He's talked more openly about cash and cap. And uh, than we've ever heard. What do you make of that? Well, it's it's not surprising. And the big reason it's not surprising is because of the the cash shortfall from 2020. The when the you know when there were no fans in the stands, it was billions in revenue that was lost by the league. That money gets split up obviously among the teams, and the owners basically floated a loan to the players association to make up the shortfall so that it wasn't all hitting the cap in one season. So it's getting broken up over 2022, over 2023. Um, and 2023 should be the last season where there is, where that loan is a portion of the players proceeds are going to pay back that loan. But what that does is it's created a situation where teams who are not as cash rich uh, were, were tighter, constricted in terms of cash because they just, they weren't getting the they didn't have the, the stockpile that they had before because they had footed this loan. And this is, you know, it's that last last bite. The bullet payment is the 2023 season. Basically, hmm. I would expect a lot of the cash issues for a lot of the teams, you know, to to be resolved across, you know, by next spring. When when 2024 comes around, I don't think we'll hear as much about cash constraints. 
but it wouldn't surprise me given, uh, you know, I'm not super privy to the inner workings of Vulcan, but given the fact that they are, you know, they're known to be or their reputation is that they don't, they're frugal, that they don't waste a ton of money. I wouldn't be surprised if, if cash, not constraints, but in, you know, internal constraints as opposed to we just don't have the money in the bank account, you know, would allow them to right. continue to operate, you know, frugally going forward. Not to say that they're, they're in no danger, I think, of missing payroll or anything, but it's just, it's one of those things where a lot of teams across the league are running into similar issues. And that was my next question because there was a piece, really well done piece by Michael Sean Duger of The Athletic a couple of weeks ago about this issue. And the reaction from some of the fan base was, oh no, you know, Jody Allen's going cheap. There's, there's cash issues. They're, they're, they're tightening the purse strings. Is it, is it that, or is it just that she's, uh, she's bound by the foundation that technically owns the team and she has a budget to work with? Yeah, it's it's a budget to work with, and it's you know they started the the plan for you know they've been in the process of breaking apart the estate and selling it off for I mean we're coming up on four and a half years now, yeah. but it is a massive estate. Obviously, they sold off they've, they've divested a bunch a significant amount of the resources, but there are other assets that are in the estate that aren't uh, you know they've, they've got a significant exposure to commercial real estate, and obviously with what's going on in the commercial real estate market right now, it's not a, a great environment either. And so yeah. you know the Seahawks are there i don't think they're like i said i don't think they're in danger of missing payroll or anything but it's just be, like you say because of the way it's set up because of the way that they don't have there are maximum thresholds for teams that they're you know the league puts a cap on it they see you know, you might have a franchise like the like washington commanders that are worth six billion dollars but you can't go down to the bank and borrow six billion dollars based off equity because you're the the teams have an agreement with the league that it's capped and it's it's relatively low compared to the value of most franchises i believe is three or four hundred million dollars they increase it for the for covid purposes mm -hmm. to in part to give teams the the breathing room they needed to fund through um this but with once they're once everything is paid off i mean the a big piece of it that even the players you know we've seen these releases these press releases this season we saw it last off season with the the performance-based play where they're getting yeah. basically paid per snap um, and a lot of guys are getting $500,000, $600,000 bonuses. Those aren't actually, I mean, and you can go back and Ode Abushi tweeted about it a couple of years ago when he earned a few hundred thousand dollars. Uh, they aren't getting paid out on those bonuses from the 2021 and 2022 seasons until 2024 mm. when that loan is paid back. And so, you know, that's where I think everybody's kind of looking forward to the windfall that's coming once that loan is paid off and the revenues are cleared out. And then that's when we'll really see you know we've been talking about the cap exploding because of the new tv deals for a couple of years now since they were signed back in 2020 and now you know 2024 excuse me is when we're going to see you know a big jump we should see somewhere from you know the neighborhood we're in now 225 to the 256 possibly 260 range in a single off season which is just going to be massive yeah well, and, and to your point as well, it's not like the Seahawks are, are being cheap in even the way they've gone about this offseason. They, they wrote a pretty big check to Draymond Jones and committed to a pretty good year one uh, outlay of cash for him and Geno Smith, of course, too. So, um, But and we're going to talk more specifically about some things that they can do to create cap space uh, in just a minute. But then given that, uh, does it make it less likely that one of the options to create any space would be converting salary to bonus? for any of the players where that might make sense because they'd have to write a check. 
It, it's actually not. And hmm. the reason why is because for most players, even if they convert base salary to signing bonus, they don't have to cut the check right away. Okay. The Most of them, if, if you're converting base salary to signing bonus, it's just an accounting process. And you are getting the exact same money over the exact same timetable as you would during the season. The only difference for the player, the advantage from a player standpoint, is that that bonus that money then becomes fully guaranteed as yeah. opposed to, you know, if I get cut at the end of training camp, I'm, you know, I'm SOL. But, you know, if they wanted to, you know, go in and convert, you know, they don't have a whole lot of options in terms of under 30 guys that they who are on a multi-year contract yeah. that would be attractive to, you know, I mean, obviously you could do it for DK Metcalf, you, you know, who cares? He's going to be, hopefully he's playing for the Seahawks for another decade, but it's, you know, they don't, there's not a ton of players that they could do that with. I think the extension, like you mentioned, you know, there are going to be the more, the more attractive, more, more, the options that more match the process that Schneider has talked about in the past, yeah. um, you know, regarding, you know, fitting what they're looking to do. See, that's why we have you on the show. Cause we learn stuff. <laughs> uh, let's, before we get to that, let's talk about today and where they stand right now. They have already signed one of their draft picks, seventh rounder, Kenny McIntosh. Obviously that's the lowest slot uh, that's available to them. And, and so the, the lowest outlay of cash, there is, seems to be some confusion um, or some disagreement about a, how much effective caps or how much real cap space they have as we sit here today and whether it's enough to sign uh, the slotted amounts for the total draft class. Um, John Schneider was asked in one of the press conferences right after the, the draft, Hey, do you have enough? And he basically said, yeah, we do. But on paper on all the different resources that we have to us as fans, and even the report, the NFL PA came out with a couple of weeks ago would, would, uh, would disagree with that. Where do you stand right now? What's your view of how much cap space they have at the moment? I, I they, you know, I, they have cap space. If they want to make a move short term, they can, um, that's not going to stop them. Um, very quickly before I forget, just, you, just like you mentioned, Matt, Kenny McIntosh was, you know, the lowest outlay of cash because he, he is literally, you know, it's the, he's the 51st largest cap hit on the team. Um, you know, it, 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 the, to sign him, it cost them $22,000 in cap space. It was not, you know, not a large outlay. And if they sign another, any other, their other draft picks who have a larger cap hit, McIntosh cap hit falls off and they net it out. It's not, you know, signing those third day three guys are not going to be expensive. So explain the, that real quick. This time of year, is it top 51 is all they're judged by, right? Correct. Okay. Fifth, from the start of the new league year, which is typically a, you know, a random Wednesday in March until the roster cut deadline at the end of the end of training camp. Um, they they'll have a couple of days actually after roster cuts to get in line with the cap, but it will be it's you're only looking at the top 51 players. So what we'll see, you know, my guess is what we'll see this week with, you know, at some point we'll see the, the press release about the undrafted free agents, however many they sign 25, 27, whatever the, the final number is, as long as none of those, players have a cap hit that is larger than that of Kenny McIntosh, which is unlikely um, given the, the, the limitations on their signing bonus that the, are restricted by the CBA, yeah. then you, they, you can sign all 27 of those guys for zero cap dollars. Mm. There will be so, you know, so they'll fill out the roster. We'll get our draft picks in, um, you know, coming back to the, your question real quick. The, and I forget, I wish I had it in front of me because there was, 
there was something specific Schneider said. It was the way he said it, um, where and I didn't I didn't get to see the video of him saying it. I just saw the uh, I you know I saw the the quote reported and the way he said it, the way it was asked, it was. It was almost as if he was saying that we don't need the money. We don't need to do anything right now to sign our draft picks, which is absolutely the case mm -hmm. because the draft picks, you don't have to have them signed. You don't have to have them on ink on paper until training camp. Yeah. So they can go through minicamp. They can go through OTAs, yeah. you know, you know a rookie minicamp. I guess they can't. OTAs are for veterans, but they can do everything that they need to do during the offseason up until you know, whatever it is, Monday, July 24th is when they need to have pen on paper so that they can go out on the practice field and not miss a lot of training camp. And I think so there's, that's an important, you know, we, yeah, it's an important note because if tomorrow, you know, it's announced that the Seahawks go sign, you know, John Smith, the nose tackle and give him $5 million guaranteed on a one-year deal, fans are going to scratch their head and go, wait a minute. Now we can't sign our draft picks. And that's not the case. Exactly. And it's there and there's no risk for the players. The players, you know, they can participate in rookie mini camps. They can do the offseason work stuff for the team and they are covered. There are liability waivers. You know, as long as it is a football related activity, Dante Fowler was the famous incident where he went to rookie mini camp, blew out his ACL uh, during camp. And it, it doesn't matter. You, you still the team has to negotiate as if he didn't wasn't injured. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're they're slotted. As long as you sign the contract, you know what you're paying them. You know, obviously, as long as you're not wrecking an ATV, you're going to get the money that goes to your slot. And so the you know, there's no risk to the players. Some of the players may need the cash. They may want it, you know, so there might be some issues of, you know, trying to balance that out. You know, but we saw there were the Seahawks were one of the last teams in the league to sign a couple of their draft picks last year. Um, you know, with this, uh, I believe it was the second round picks, Boyamafe, Ken Walker. Um, and that was all due to a, a guarantees issue that was negotiated that had changed that, you know, set some new precedents across the league. And, it, you know, it is it is mm -hmm. what it is. I think it yeah. was two or three of the last nine draft picks unsigned were Seahawks, but it's they were signed by training camp. It's nothing anybody should stress about at all. Yeah. But the big question among fans these days, as it always is, but I think more so this year than ever, is how can we add more? Because I think the general feeling is, this is what I talked on the, about on the show a couple of days ago, is is they don't, technically, they don't even have the bodies right now on the roster, not including the undrafted free agents, which haven't been officially announced as being signed yet, but they've all been reported. We know who the guys are going to be, but they're, there's, as we sit here today, there's five healthy interior defensive linemen on the roster. Last year, they started on the 53 with seven of them. So there just aren't enough bodies. Okay, maybe some of those undrafted guys make it, but fans feel really uneasy about the lack of veterans up there. And so, and John and Pete themselves have been adamant this entire offseason, unwavering and saying, we want to add guys. We need to add guys. Carol used the word need in reference to Puna Ford, who ended up signing in Buffalo. They kept talking openly about wanting Al Woods back. He just signed with the Jets. They have talked not quite as adamantly, but consistently about bringing Shelby Harris back. There's some other guys out there who could help. To do that, they would have to create some space, correct? And based on from where we sit now to where we would be if we signed all the draft picks, there just wouldn't be enough to sign veterans, would there? Yeah, they would need to sign some. I mean, they would need to create some space somehow, um, you know, if they were going to go outside and actually add, you know, add veterans, add, you know, to a significant contract. If someone's coming in, if a veteran's coming in on a veteran minimum benefit deal or a you know, million and a half, two million dollar deal, 
yeah, you get one or two of those in and they're going to have to add, um, you know, to it, but they add to the space that they have available, but it's not the, again, it's something that where they can pick through who's out there for the entirety of the summer. And then, you know, whether it's an extension, whether it's a trade, whether it's something big that they do on the eve of training camp, you know, or just convert, like I said, you know, DK Metcalf's base salary to signing bonus this year and they're or, or Tyler Lockett and just say, Hey, you know what? That's it. We're good. We're, you know, we've got the space we need. We can yeah. operate. We're fine. Um, you know, again, you don't necessarily want to do that with Lockett because he's, you know, not the youngest of guys right. to say that he obviously he's, he's not ancient and I hope he continues to play at a high level for several seasons to come, but it's, you know, it, he's the type of guy that I feel if the Seahawks go to him and they say, Hey Tyler, we need to create some space. We're going to, you know, we need 3 million. We're going to convert whatever, you know, set it up. And, you know, Tyler doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to push back on that. So, right. And, and isn't it true though, that the, the player doesn't have to agree if the Seahawks want to do a conversion. Yeah. Like that, yeah like as that, long right? as it's in the contract. Um, oh, okay. And that's, you know, I don't want to say that specifically, but the Seahawks traditionally, you know, they put the language in the contract that they don't need permission from the player um, and that they just, the team just gives notice. Mm. But I don't, I don't know that. I don't want to say that specifically about Lockett's contract because I we knew that specifically with Russell Wilson's deal a couple years okay. ago because uh, Joel Corey, an agent from CBS had tweeted that out, yeah. you know, and we've, we've heard that it's, you know, that it's typical for the Seahawks, a standard language in their contracts, but it's not, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say, Oh, I know this specifically about Lockett's contract. And then somebody comes out and says, well, no, I've seen Lockett's contract. It's mm. not. So it's, you but traditionally for the Seahawks, the majority of their veteran contracts will have that. They where the players don't even have to sign off. They just the team literally sends an email to the agent and just says, hey, we're giving you official notice. We're converting base to, or signing bonus to base or base to signing bonus. Excuse me. And you're, you know, to free up cap space. You know, there's no change for your client. You know, it's just we just have to yeah. give the notice. Well, and outside of that, we know that that's not the preferred route that John Schneider wants to take. He doesn't like kicking the can down the road, as, as it's been called, uh, like so many other organizations willingly do. And in fact, in <laughs> yeah. fact, you can make the argument that organizations like the New Orleans Saints, that that's their strategy and that's their that's their process. Um, John doesn't like to do that unless it's. Uh, absolutely necessary. In fact, the only time we've really seen him use void years was 2020 and that was an outlier and, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and they kind of had to just to add to just to add some talent uh, and try to compete around Russ at the time. Uh, that being said, you also you look at this roster and there really aren't any obvious cup cut candidates or cap casualty types. Those those things have been taken care of already, mostly along that defensive line. But are there some opportunities with uh, with legitimate responsible extensions for some players that could free up some immediate cap space. There are a couple and it would be interesting, you know, one of the the big one. And I think the one that everybody has kind of pegged and said, you know, is Nwosu there at linebacker. I mean, he's just, he played phenomenal last year. He's still very young. I want to say he's 26 off the top mm-hmm. of my head still. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, that's the kind of guy that you, you want to lock up, you know, he coming off, you know, he had a career year in 2021, for the chargers and then he had a career year for the seahawks again in 2022 mm-hmm. and he hasn't he's still you know next year 2024 is probably his prime so if you can extend him and keep him around on a deal that's reasonable that's you know gives him you know upside protection or gives him uh, extra cash then that's some one way to create space you know they could on the offensive side we didn't really get as much production out of fant after he came over from denver as you know as we had hoped i think as many fans had hoped but you know it is Again, it's a same boat. It's a highly productive, still very young, athletic, um, you know, and 
the age of players that they have been committing to this offseason. We saw it with Julian Love. We saw it with Draymond Jones. Mm -hmm. You know, the guys that they are signing, the guy, you know, outside of Bobby Wagner, obviously, but Devin Bush, Julian Love, Draymond Jones, these are all very young guys to have, you know, reached the end of their first contract, 24, 25, 26 years old. These are the age of players that they're certainly, I, th I think that gives a, uh, some extra, it's an extra energy to that, you know, air of, okay, excitement and, you know, people looking forward to this season. Cause like these guys, you know, we're not adding 31 year old guys off the scrap heap, yeah. you know, nothing against, nothing against over 30 guys that we had to the defensive line, but it's just, you know, these are some, these are players in their prime or about to hit their prime. And it's, it's very exciting in that. And if you can lock up a player like Fant or Nuosu, I think you do it in a heartbeat. Nuosu is the guy that could create the most space, right? I'm, I'm off the top of my head now. I don't have it pulled up. I think he's, uh, he's set to make 13-ish? 13.01. Okay. The, the big the thing with him is that of that 13.01, there is only about 8.25 that's actually at play that they mm. could uh, that's you know because because 4.75 of that is half of his signing bonus that's locked in doesn't matter what yeah. they do that it's not it's not going anywhere right um, they but if they you know they can extend him and he, he's got 7.5 million base salary and 510,000 in uh, per game roster bonuses so about 800 8.1 million um, or excuse me, just over eight million. It, that's at play there. That you can, you know, you can work with in terms of, you know, how could we? You can give him that eight million dollars, whether it's you know a million and a half in base salary plus six and a half million dollar signing bonus, and then the signing bonus gets broken up over a few years. Yeah. You can realistically easily create, you know, four or five million, a little bit more if you really wanted to get aggressive or creative on the structure, depending on, you know, how much they could, you know how agreeable he is to, to, you know, to potentially doing a deferred bonus or whatever it may be like they've done in the past with some of their deals. And it feels like from all the numbers that I've seen that, that that's about all they would need if they want to do uh, a couple of things as far as veteran additions. It, it Based on your calculations, um, what's the approximate cap number for this year that, that it, it'll require to sign all 10 draft picks? They really only at this point, and it's going to be interesting because the, uh, the rookie pool came in a little bit lower than a lot of people were expecting. Mm. So they may, you know, as, as much as we may sit here and I might overparse Schneider's words, you know, they were not far away from being able to sign their draft picks as it is. You know, they're, um, you know, with their, you know, they've got five or six million, whatever it is. They, you know, all the reports were that they needed about 8.7 in space. But then those numbers came in a little bit lower than mm. most observers were looking at them than were projected. Uh in part because of the COVID revenue shortfall, those kind of things. And so if we're looking at a situation where they really only need six and a half, seven million, I mean, they might only need two million of cap space, which is, I mean, you can shuffle things around, move things around. That's yeah. the kind of thing where, okay, if we, if we need to convert base salary to signing bonus, they did that last year with Gabe Jackson. Mm -hmm. um, again, not, not the ideal way to create cap space, but you know, we've seen when they need an, an amount to be functional, to operate, you know, they can do it. And they, you know, they, they could turn around, they could do that with Tyler Lockett in a heartbeat if they needed to, you know, but if they sign, if they, my guess would be that if they get an extension with someone like Nwosu, and then we don't see, you know, outside of, you know, obviously they've talked a lot about wanting to add more. They've talked about wanting to get more veterans on the defensive line as you know, as if they do go out and sign a couple guys, yeah, we need more space. But as it stands right now, if they extend Nwosu, they could sign all their draft picks, you, you know, and create cap space in doing so they could, um, you know, sign their draft picks, get to the end of training camp, 
you know, at that point, it becomes a matter of, okay, do we have enough for the practice squad? And depending on how aggressive they were with the extension, how much space it created, they should be able to do that. And then they might need to create some space for, you know, operational functional purposes for injured reserve practice squad elevations during the course of the season. But they don't need to go through and, you know, have New Orleans Saints style yeah. off-season whole, you know, wholesale, you know, convert base salary to signing bonus for six different guys on the roster in order to get through the season. If, right. You know, if 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 they can put together a good deal with Nuosu, that that'll be enough to get them through to where okay, we can pay as we go, you know, by converting either Diggs or Lockett or whoever we need to. Do you happen to know off the top of your head uh, approximately what the the franchise tag number is for outside linebackers? It is not small. I want to say it's $20 million. Okay. Um, let me. I'm just thinking ahead to, you know, if, they, if they're not able to come to an agreement. It's, it's yeah, it's for, for 2023, it is 20.9 million. Okay. Because there, because there is no, they don't make any differentiation between outside linebackers and inside linebackers. Right. And so it's all linebackers. And so it's gotcha. all gets paid based off of edge rushers. And it's, you're all paying Khalil Mack money for, for you know anybody who's got the linebacker designation so. so let's let's talk about the next couple of years and how does it look moving forward if there are things that they need to do that push things off into the future or signing extensions and they've been really good in the past about signing extensions to current players and and coordinating when the biggest cap hits would be based on their future charts and how they see things mapping out so we've just seen two back-to-back years where they've added large high quality young draft pick two draft classes that are universally universally lauded as quality. And then they signed the biggest undrafted free agent class in the league this year, the biggest one they've ever signed. And, and it appears that they fully intend to, to fill out the back end of that roster with some, some young talent. So that would lend itself to one thinking that cap's going to be easier to manage over the next couple of years. We also know that they're, they're paying their starting quarterback mid-level quarterback money, which is a class that we didn't think even existed until Gino signed his deal this year. <laughs> so how do you feel about, and how can fans feel about 2024, 2025, as you look ahead to kind of keeping some of these young guys around, because it, it doesn't seem like other than Nuoso, which we just talked about, that they have any Geno Smith type pressing emergency contract situations coming up. Yeah. And they, they don't, there's nothing. I mean, as you know, the joke obviously here is that as long, you know, one of the, the upside of having poor draft classes is not having to extend guys. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's not all been about just bad players or, you know, players not panning out Marquise Blair, obviously injuries, Cody Barton was, you know, fine at what he did, but he was just not fine for what the Seahawks have, you know, when they drafted him in 2019, he filled the role they needed from that position. Fine. Now, now they've shifted scheme. They ask a little bit, something different of their linebackers and he's not a great fit. So fine. He's off to Washington. The, that's the one side of the story. The flip side of the story is that the, you know, they did take significant dead cap from Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so he's off the books. And yeah, you've got a year of Geno Smith at a reasonable amount. Um, but Geno is, you know, he's 
he's not market rate, but thirty-one million dollars in twenty twenty-four is is certainly it's almost what Russell Wilson was making, you know, on a per year basis. And it's not, you know, it's it's not prohibitive. It's not fifty million or fifty-two million a year like the top of the market, but it's still more expensive than you know thirteen, fourteen million that he's at this year. And then you add on top of that, there's a lot of the big questions this year. Uh, I think we'll, we'll see how things play out on the field. Is you know Jamal Adams is number one. I right. mean, he carries a, it's just 2024 it is a massive 23.6 million dollar cap hit yeah. um you know for a safety and it's you know are they going to what are they going to get out of him i mean what it's 13 games in the last two seasons um you know is what's that worth and you know how quickly would they move on from him if you know if he's not coming back if he's not back to where he was right. um and it's you know his knee injury is not it's it's unfortunate, but it's not the type of knee injury that players, you know, come back from at the same level they were before. Now he's obviously he was a very high level player, yeah. so you would expect him to be able to come back at some level. But will it be enough to justify that contract? So I think you know they've they've got they'll have space 2024 2025 you know there's it's not like they're certainly i'm not trying to paint the you know where the saints were 100 million over the cap you know they're they're under the cap they'll have free cap space but i don't think there won't be giant shopping sprees you know there may be mm -hmm. the pick and choose of you know let's splurge signing a draymond jones a julian love whatever it may be um but it's it's not going to be the you know to go out and build through the build through free agency, if you can target a core player at a key position of need, fantastic. Add that player, go in and take advantage of it. But I don't think they're going to be – I think hopefully they're done with the days of, okay, let's you know, let's bring in these guys on one-year deals that are significantly overpriced that – you know, where we're just looking to fill a hole for a single season because we think we're a player away when you know that money could be put so much more well spent to – someplace else um no. you know i think we'd all love to have the the seven million from luke Jokelback or the nine million from Ziggy Anta, first, you know it's first just, name it's, that popped into my head <laughs> yeah i think it's the first name that popped into everybody's head and it's you know you, you add all those up over time and it's like yeah. man we can buy a pretty nice player for 40 million dollars <laughs> or whatever it is and so you you know, you get to the point where it's i i think we it I think I think that we've seen a whole lot of their shift in strategy. You know, mm -hmm. they've they've been very open about it, but we've seen they've absolutely changed how they draft in the past couple of years. They've absolutely changed you know how they go out in free agency, which we saw with the biggest free agency contract they've ever given. You know, both on a per year basis and an absolute dollars basis. You know, it's it's clear that they have shifted what they're doing and they've changed. You know, their the way they're approaching everything so it's you know it, it's not quite as clear as things were in the past but it's not you know, it's not going to be a situation where we're sitting here saying like oh man are we you know are we going to be have the money to you know retain whoever it may be when their contract is up what's yeah. the stressor or you know is the, the when the draft classes come up for you know hit free agency you know it's like okay if we want to extend jordan brooks we can you know it's right. not it's just a matter of you know is there a palatable deal that's in there it's not a matter of you know he's worth 10 million a season or whatever it may be and we don't have 10 million available in the books so bye you know it's yeah. just, it's it'll be a it's a much more pleasant conversation of okay how do we want to allocate our dollars versus where do we want to find the dollars that we need to allocate so yeah well and it's interesting you mentioned jordan brooks we didn't talk about him he would be one of the obvious ones next year and carol was effusive this week about how he sees a long future with him and the team and and uh, they refused to 
to pick up that fifth year option as a lot of teams did this uh, I think a record number of first round mm-hmm. draft picks from the the class four years ago uh the fifth year options were not picked up it just seems to be the kind of the modus operandi of teams now they just want to wait and see and and maybe use the salary or the uh, franchise tag if they have to um yeah a lot of a lot of interesting things looking forward and uh it'll it'll, it'll be cool to see the way it plays out and it's good to know that we have you anytime we have any questions about salary cap. Uh, I hope that uh, listeners and viewers today learn something. Uh, I know I did. John, thanks for your time. And I really appreciate your insight into this subject. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. You know, invite me on anytime and happy to share, uh, you know, when, when we're up and ready to go. Absolutely. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, John. All right. Mm-hmm. That's going to do it for the show here today. Thank you for listening. As always, follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, the channel is growing. I want you to be part of the community. And uh, as always, appreciate the support. I'm going to be catching up with Dana O'Gorman soon. She says she is rested and recovered from the draft. I want to get her on the ground experience um, from that. Uh, Griffin Sturgeon will be joining me next week as well. We're going to talk some scheme and uh, how he sees some of those rookies fitting in. And Jackson Bevins and I of the Cigar Thoughts podcast are working together on a time over the next week to get together and uh, get his recap of the draft because he, more than anyone else out there, man, he had some gut feelings about some of these guys and really nailed a couple of the Seahawks picks. And he's probably still on cloud nine about all that. Until then, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, I am Dan Viennes. We'll talk to you soon.